Welcome to the Sober Sidekicks Never Alone podcast, brought to you by the creator Chris Thompson, hosted and produced by Carl Fessenden. This podcast was created to highlight the stories and successes that make up the community that forms the Sober Sidekick. Chris built the Sober Sidekick because addiction thrives in isolation. We want to remind you that you do not have to fight this battle alone. We strive to bring you inspiring stories that will let you overcome your darkness and lift you from the ashes. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Never Alone Podcast. All right, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Never Alone Podcast. My name is Carl. I'm the host and producer of the show. And on today's show, we're going to be talking to Brandon. Um, and if you guys are finding us on one of those uh, apps out there that you're using for podcasts, uh, just be sure to hit that like or subscribe button. That way you won't miss any episodes that we have coming up. Um, we're relatively a new podcast, so this is really exciting that we have this opportunity to kind of share stories with uh, the community members of the Sober Sidekick app and um, really kind of highlight how they're doing. So, um, Brandon, man, welcome to the, uh, today's show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. So, Brandon and I have been talking for the past couple of weeks. I'm kind of getting ready for the interview uh, today, and um, I've gotten to know him a little bit. And uh, he definitely keeps himself, he's a very busy man. Uh, so, Brandon, I want to thank you very much for taking the time uh, tonight and jumping on. Uh, you're over in the East Coast. I'm over in the West Coast. So there's definitely like that big kind of time difference between the two of us. And uh, I'm just really happy that we finally have a chance to meet and kind of see each other face to face, so to speak. So, yeah. So, yeah, man. So can you tell us a little bit about like um, what your journey has been like uh, coming into recovery and maybe also how technology has kind of helped you out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was kind of rocky for me at the start. Like um, many other people, I've heard them talk about it as well. Like for me, I had trouble even admitting that I even had a problem to begin with. Um, it was just a stage of denial. And the more and more I got into um, my problems, the more isolated I would become and the more I would try to push people away. And it was just like people were trying to help me. But um, after a few years of trying to figure it out, I finally came to the realization that, yeah, I do have a problem. Like I f was finally able to fully accept it and embrace that I needed to do something to change. Um, it was really rocky at first trying to get sober, but um, even this time in it, I was able to find uh, different apps that um, helped me connect with other people. Um, the recovery scene around where I'm at, there's plenty of people in it, a lot of solid people with solid recovery time that have been able to help me out as well. And just being able to connect with other people has really helped me come a long way. That's really awesome, man. And, you know, we, we, technology is like so ingrained into our culture. Um, I, I don't know if you watch golf, but, uh, there's, there was the big masters tournament on this past weekend and they made an announcement that they had banned cell phone use 
during the tournament. Like nobody was allowed to have a cell phone on them. They weren't allowed to, um, you know, have them out and being used. And I was thinking about it and I was like, man, like, could I go like a whole, maybe even like a weekend without using my cell phone, you know? And so I just kind of think about that and like how technology is like so ingrained in our culture and stuff now. And to be able to find people like yourself, myself through technology is really amazing. And it also highlights the fact that we don't have to go through our struggles alone, which is kind of, you know, the whole premise of this podcast. So did you, did you ever like find yourself like wanting to isolate or anything like in the beginning or? Oh yeah. It was a big problem for me in the beginning where, um, like I had tried getting into like recovery programs in my local area for like the past six years. And the first few times, like I'd wonder why I keep going back out. And it's because I would be relying on just like one or two people. And, um, I wasn't really reaching out to them enough. And I would slowly, the less, the longer I'd go without reaching out, the farther I'd isolate from them until I wasn't talking to them at all. Yeah. And, you know, and that's like the whole thing that would take us back out. And they say isolation is just this demon that will come and take us. And I really kind of feel that way. Like when I was getting sober, so like having time off of work was like the key for me to be like, oh, cool, now I can relax. But a lot of times I found myself like isolating because nobody was home for the weekend and I could do whatever I wanted to, which was kind of triggering for me, taking me back to like my using days because when nobody was home, like I was able to go out and use, you know, openly in the house or I could do, you know, things that I wasn't able to do because other people were living with me at the time. So, you know, it's like this real kind of big scary thing of isolation so have you had experiences like that too oh yeah absolutely it's definitely an ugly demon that bears its head and like there's other things that i gotta watch for as well such as uh resentments being becoming resentful of people if i don't agree with something they say or do um but isolation is definitely like one of the key things that I try to watch for, like if I feel myself starting to isolate, then that just makes me realize, Hey, I need to throw myself more into it. Cause if I don't, then I know where it's going to lead me. It's going to lead me the same place that it always does. Yeah, man, you're totally right because it just, it takes us back. And I remember I was laying on the couch and I knew that I was in, in deep in trouble because my sponsor had called me twice and I sent him over to voicemail for no reason. Like there was no fucking way for like, like there, I shouldn't have sent him over to voicemail, but I looked at my <laughs> phone and I was like, yep, nope. <laughs> and I continued watching my movie and I don't know what yeah. it was, but in the back of my mind, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Right, man. It's like, it's crazy. So well, cool, man. So let's see, you have coming up um, a little bit over nine months of sobriety, correct? Yeah, a little over nine months. Oh, that's awesome, man. Oh, that 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 first year was like such a wild ride for me, uh, you know, just kind of like in the early days. And then like when I hit that six-month mark and then the nine-month mark, I was like, okay, 
I could actually see myself like really doing this and not having to go back to the old way of living. Yeah. And that's definitely how it's kind of been for me. Like the first, like two, three months, I was like really on edge trying to uh, work the steps of a program. And it was just so hard for me to avoid going back out. Like I was trying to reach out to people, trying to get help, trying to be helpful to people as well. But it's just like, it was so hard for me to let go of that uh, temptation, that obsession to use. But um, once I managed to get through a certain portion of the steps, it's like I felt myself starting to change. And it's just been a wild ride ever since. Like I just went from living in one recovery house. We lost you there, bud. All right. Well, well, he's getting back on. Um, so yeah, I, I totally get where you're talking about like losing track and, you know, going over to a recovery house. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can, we can hear you now, buddy. Yeah, man. Okay, so I'm not sure what happened. Yeah, that's all right. So, so tell us a little bit more. So you were talking about, um, you know, going and being at the recovery house in the early days and, um, having some realizations. Yeah, like uh, being in a recovery house definitely helped me get some structure and stability and put me closer to a lot of the recovery in my area, like where the, like kind of like the epicenter of it. Like the recovery scene here is amazing. Um, it's just a matter of getting involved and actually doing what needs to be done to stay in it. But being in the recovery house, um, like I'm still in there. But I just moved from one to a new one that's going to be opening up by the same owner, and they asked me to be the manager of it. Wow, that's great, man. How do you feel about that? Uh, excited and nervous at the same time. Um, I'm sure I'll be able to do a fine job of it. Like I've been a manager for um, a previous job before, and I did fine with that. So I don't really think this is going to be too difficult. I just want to make sure that I keep my recovery uh, front and center. That way I don't wind up having any kind of resentments or anything like that. Isolations or anything try to take me back out and I can try to help the people that are coming in to this recovery house once we open it up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I can speak from experience going from a person that is solely just in recovery and working a program of recovery, you know, doing the meetings that I have chosen to do with the program that I've chosen to do. And then getting into like the professional side of things, you know, where I'm working and helping people with addiction issues. And that's really true. What you said is that, you know, we have to keep our recovery front and center um, and not let other people's recovery become our recovery too, you know, and that's something that um, took me a little while to learn, but uh, has really um, helped me. So, yeah. And that's one thing that my sponsor told me is I got to make sure that I remember that uh, I'm not in the results business. I'm here to help put their hand in a high, in their higher powers hand and guide them through the steps. Like that's all I'm there for, but I'm not, there to create their results they got to create the results themselves like i did for myself 
by utilizing my sponsor and going through the steps and making sure that I stay connected to other people. That way, if I am having an issue, I have somebody there that I can talk to. Yeah. And you know, like you said, those, those connections to other people are so important because what were we talking about earlier? We were talking about isolation and like how bad it is and how easy it is for us to like, well, at least for me, I don't know about you, but it's like, it was super easy for me to be like, yeah, sure. I'm going to sit with this. I'm, I'm good with that. Right. But, um, you know, but having those connections and everything is so important, uh, you know, and really, I'm, I'm glad that you're realizing that even before you're kind of getting into it. So that's a, that's a really good sign. Yeah. Like it's definitely, um, a good sign. I feel for myself that I know I'm on the right path. Like I feel like absolutely solid in my recovery and being connected to those other people, like like you said, because isolation, like we were talking about earlier, takes so many people out, and it's one of the easiest ways to identify if somebody's about to go back out is if you see them start to isolate. And me personally, when I see somebody that I know start doing that, when I'm used to talking to them all the time, then I can kind of try to pick up uh, reaching out to them more often to try to keep them from going out and possibly help them get away from that isolation. That way they don't throw whatever time they do have away and destroy whatever they've been able to build up in the time that they've been working the program. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, um, it, it just really shows that there's like this maturity level that I see from you. Like right now is, it's so great because even with, nine months of sobriety or a little more than nine months of sobriety, you're having a lot of realizations that are super important to have, especially for people that want to have like sustained recovery. What's been like the most, I don't know, maybe like we could say influential or maybe the most eye-opening thing that you've learned about yourself in the past nine months. Um, one of the biggest things that I've learned about myself in the last nine months is that it's okay for me to ask for help, that it's okay for me to not be okay and to ask for help when I need it rather than trying to find a way to solve my problems by myself. Like some problems are just too big to handle by myself. <clears throat> so having people there that I can depend on it keeps me from isolating and um, it helps me to realize, hey, I can be okay by myself, but I don't have to be by myself. Yeah. And that's like where the whole, you know, it's like, cool, I'm good by myself, but I'm also can recognize like when I'm making a conscious choice to block other people out of my life. And to basically, you know, start that isolation track, you know, um, yeah. you, you'll, you'll see it. You'll see a meeting attendance start to go down. You'll see them, you know, not reply to people that they were normally talking to on a regular basis. Um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of like telltale signs and you getting into being a house manager for a uh, sober living environment. 
um, is going to be really cool because you're going to start to see some of these things. And, you know, one thing I've always like remembered, especially with like my clients that I work with uh, professionally, is that relapse is going to be part of a lot of people's stories. And yeah, it, it, it just, it's, it's kind of the reality of addiction is that relapse is going to be there at some point. Um, but it's how we respond to the relapse. Do we catch it early or do we like ride it out? And we're like, man, this feels really good. So there's a lot of different yeah. ways that people respond to this. And uh, you're going to see that, you know, working at the SLE and, and managing that. So just re just remember that. And um, remember that, you know, your main priority is to keep that house safe you know, uh, because there's going to be other people that are impacted at, at the SLE as well. Yeah. And that's right. That's something that I got to make sure that I keep an eye on as well as how the people are, are acting, how they're reacting. And that's one thing that I learned from my sponsor is to not react, but to respond instead. And that definitely helps me to build stronger connections with other people as well, because if I don't react and I respond, I can actually, um, not, react out of negative emotions and be able to sit down and think about something before I say something. And it definitely makes a difference the way that you treat somebody. And it also changes the way that they might treat you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I always come from a place of like compassion, especially when I'm working with clients and especially when I'm working with people that are in a fragile, you know, state is that I just remember like, okay, like how would I want to be treated if I was in their shoes? And, <clears throat> but also remembering like I kind of got to draw, draw that line too. So yeah, you know, man, this is, this is such a cool interview. I, I really enjoy like our topic of conversation and learning even more about you. Um, so, yeah. So tell me, what are some of your plans like in the next, uh, so you have nine months, so you have another three months to go. And I know they say take it one day at a time, but there comes a point in recovery when we can start to plan ahead a little bit. Yeah, that's right. And that's one thing that I'm starting to realize too, is I can start planning ahead like try not to get too far ahead at this point, but down the road I can try to plan a little bit farther ahead. But at this point it's kind of like little bit by little bit, like moving, like becoming a house manager was like something that I started planning actually less than a month ago when they were talking about opening up another recovery house and they wound up bringing it to my attention that they think I would be a good fit for it. So then I started planning on, becoming a house manager and um, there's some other things that came up as well like being able to go take courses for something called a CRS and CPS which is a certified recovery specialist and a certified peer specialist so those are two things that I got planned for in the future as well um, there's all kind of other things that I can plan for but I'm not really putting a time frame on them like I don't want to stay in a recovery house forever. Um, I have a family, like I have kids with uh, my wife, like we're separated at the moment, but we're getting along. Um, so we're going to try to make sure that we can at least continue to get along so we can co-parent. Um, 
I'm eventually going to want to move out of this house. That way I can um, spend more time with my children from my marriage. Um, and even if the marriage is over, I can still be friends with her, which is really cool that recovery has been able to bring us both to that point. Like it's been a long, hard road for both of us. Um, and that's just where the road took us, but she's planning on getting her place. I'm planning on getting myself a place later down the road. I don't know how far down I'm, that's something that I'll think of later, but it's just all kind of different things just kind of come to mind when you reach a certain point that you can try to start planning things and be successful at completing them rather than how I used to do things. And I would stress over trying to complete them rather than enjoy the journey of it. And I would wind up drinking or using over it because of the stress. But now I find enjoyment in those plans. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome, man. I'm so happy for you. Like you're, you're having those moments in recovery that everybody talks about and people hope that they, they can have. And it sounds like to me that you're really kind of having a lot of those moments and you're starting to rebuild your foundation and you're starting to improve your lifestyle. You're starting to improve relationships around you. And, uh, it seems like things are going really well. Um, we're getting at the end of the interview, but um, I wanted to ask you one last question. And I want you to envision sitting down in a meeting and having a newcomer sit right next to you. And this might be their first, second, or third meeting, you know. And they, they ask you, what kept you clean in the beginning? And what advice would you give them or, or what would you tell them about your own personal experience? Hmm. I've actually had similar situations, uh, and I just pretty much tell them, like, what kept me clean is making sure that I depend on a sponsor and connecting with other people. Like, there's people who say meeting makers make it. There's people who have an opposite uh, opinion of that. They say meeting makers make meetings. And I'm kind of, like, in the middle, like, Meeting makers can make it because you can get a message from the meeting, but to me, the most important part of the meeting isn't the meeting itself. It's what happens before and after where you actually get to talk to the people that are there in attendance. You can actually build connections with those people. That's the important part to me, having those connections that I have people I can talk to when I'm having a problem or I feel like I'm... Um, tempted having an obsession where I want to drink or use and that's what helps keep me sober and that would be the advice that I would give to them get connected to as many people as you can make sure that there's solid people in recovery and that uh, they got a good vibe about them that they're really focused on their recovery yeah that's dude that's some solid advice right there definitely like making that community and really kind of building on top of that well, Brandon, I want to thank you for coming on the um, show today, and um, I know that you're going to be checking this um, out when it posts, and we're going to have a, quite a few episodes posting. Uh, like I said, we're, we're a new podcast, so um, but we're going to be uh, putting out a lot of really good content. Thanks for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. This episode of the Never Alone Podcast was recorded in studio by the Drunken Worm Podcast Productions. The Never Alone Podcast is part of the Silverside Kick brand that was created by Chris Thompson. 
If you are in need of help, remember you're never alone. If you're in crisis, dial 988 for help. You can also dial 911 if you're feeling you're in a life-threatening emergency. Remember, you're never alone, and there's always somebody out there that can help you. Thank you again for listening to the Never Alone Podcast. This is Carl Fessenden signing off. And remember, stay well, stay sober, and live your best life. Take care.